Alola, and welcome to the series finale of the Pokemon Corner. Guys, it's been a blast bringing you this spinoff podcast dedicated strictly to Pokemon. But Pokemon Sun and Moon are officially out in two weeks, and we've got our hands on the game, and we're ready to talk about it. And we want to give you our initial thoughts. We want to let you know, like, what our favorite Pokemon is, what our favorite new features are, things like the Z-Ring, Z-Moves. We want to talk about all of these awesome features. Uh, so go ahead, strap on your Z-Ring, and, you know, get ready to enter the final episode of the Pokemon Corner for the foreseeable future. As always, I am your host, nice one 983 And as always, I am your co-host, Mario After Party. And After Party... They're finally here, and we've been playing them, man. How excited are you to finally get to talk about Pokemon Sun and Moon? It's been a long wait. At least it feels like it's been pretty long, and I am ready. It's uh, definitely lived up to my expectations and then some. All right, guys. But before we actually talk about these amazing games, we're going to move into our newly rebranded Power Up News. So, the first major story actually broke 24 hours ago. I'm really excited to talk about this. Nintendo and Universal Studios released a video yesterday that confirms their plans for three separate Universal Studios theme parks. The one in Osaka, the one here in Orlando, and the one in Hollywood, California. All confirmed to be getting Nintendo theme sections. And if you're watching the video, you're seeing a lot of cool replicas and props and things actually in motion. Like if you look close, there is a spinning coin block right behind Miyamoto as he's talking. And if that's any indication of what we're gonna see at those theme parks, it is going to be so fucking amazing, bro. And it's gonna be incredible because there was a lot of detail in just those replicas and props that we saw behind them. Like, what are your thoughts on those things, man? It just gives us a glimpse, a very small glimpse of what we're going to be um, in store for when the park finally opens. It looks great, but, you know, we didn't really get any um, anything major that we didn't already know, except for the fact that they were confirming those three locations. So I'm still um, really anticipating the you know, the rides that are going to come out there. And then, you know, of course, like, they got to have a Pokemon Center. Oh, it's, it, it has to happen. With Pokemon Sun and Moon just dropping, and with the overarching success of Pokemon Go throughout this year, you have to capitalize on how hot Pokemon is again. It's literally 1998 all over again, and the fanaticism is back to those levels Nintendo needs to capitalize on it, and you're opening a theme park. That is so brilliant. You have to have a Pokemon section in there with the Pokemon Center, just like the ones you have in Japan, 
bring them over, let's go inside of them, and let's go shopping. You've been to a Pokemon Center in Japan. You know how the experience is. Just give me a brief breakdown of what a Pokemon Center was like in Japan. We don't have a Pokemon Center in the States, right? No, we used to in New York, but it was... It became the Nintendo store, and it was kind of like a shell of what they have in Japan from what I've seen in videos, but... Well, the, I've been to the Pokemon store in Tokyo, and it's not the largest, you know, surprisingly, it's not even the largest one in Japan. Um, it's it's pretty big, but it's not as big as you would think um, when you walk in. It's uh, probably comparable to a large-sized Disney store at the mall. Um, maybe, like, slightly larger than that, but it's... Uh, it's pretty awesome. I mean, they have like every kind of Pokemon, all the figures, all the plushes, you know, snacks, um, little games. When I when I bought, <clears throat> when I when I finally you know picked out all my items and went to the uh, register, you know, they gave me like a free um, Gengar card or something. Yeah, it was a uh, it was a Mega Gengar. And the bag that they give you is know is really pretty it's got like all the Pokemon it's not just a cheap plastic bag um, everything you know they, they make sure that the presentation and the packaging of everything you know is kind of like how Apple does it in the States um, but it's you know Pokemon so it was pretty awesome um, you know it was really fun getting to do that and we need one in the States oh man Talking about that bag, I still have that bag from all the goodies you brought me from the Pokemon Center. I kept the bag because it was so pretty. Um, you're right, man. 80% of what I bought at the Pokemon at the uh, Poke Center in Japan was stuff for you. So, <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm an easy guy. I love I love Nintendo stuff, Pokemon especially. But yeah, they totally need to have a Pokemon Center at the Universal Studios location. It has to happen. Among other things that I really would like to see there. You brought it up uh, in a previous episode. You talked about uh, maybe having some sort of esports arena for their esports games. They have a few now. It's, you know, obviously you have a large Melee community, a large Smash 4 community, a growing Pokemon Tournament community, and a growing Splatoon community. So they, there's... There's esports available for Nintendo to capitalize on, and they should totally do it at the theme park. Well, that's the perfect segue into our next news story, which is that multiple Nintendo titles have been nominated for the 2016 Game Awards. Yeah, some good ones too, man. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, first off, the um, the first section on the list with uh, Nintendo game is uh, the best mobile or handheld game of the year and um, we've got the the nominees are Clash Royale, Fire Emblem Fates, Monster Hunter Generations, Pokemon Go, and Severed, which I have not played that one. I honestly never even heard of it. Severed's uh, gotten a lot of great reviews. It's It started off as a mobile game and it's actually on the 3DS now. With that said, do you have any predictions who you think out of this group might might take the prize? If we're going strictly on phenomena and accessibility, uh, Pokemon Go literally altered the way we think about mobile games. 
Like, it didn't just change, you know, mobile game, Nintendo's mobile strategy. It may have changed everybody's thinking in how a mobile game should be made, especially an augmented reality game. Now that we know that our cell phones are capable of outputting augmented reality, you have to think of the impact that's going to have on future games. Like, maybe games that scan playing cards like Yu-Gi-Oh! or, you know, having physical card releases for Hearthstone that can be scanned into the game and finding a way to augment reality, play those. There's a Skylanders game that uses augmented reality made by the Hearthstone team. Um, it only works on iPads now, but you have to think that uh, that, that kind of formula could work in, uh, in other mobile games. The, the mobile game Game, mobile gaming has completely shifted because of what Pokemon Go has done. Say what you want about the game now. It might not be the best mobile game to ever come out, but I definitely still think it's one of the best mobile games to ever have been created. And the impact that it's going, it's it's had and it's going to have in future mobile game development is really important. On that, on those bases, on that criteria, you could, I could easily see Pokemon Go winning. Yes, I can too. I mean, it, it really is a groundbreaking game, but I feel like if Pokemon Go doesn't win, um, I can see Fire Emblem Fates being a dark horse in that category just because I think if, you know, I don't know who is um, on the committee that actually votes to decide um, wins, but if, if, you're, if you want a more traditional um, handheld game, I can see Fire Emblem Fates um, winning, but yeah, I'm, you know, Pokemon Go is definitely the favorite, I think, in that category. Yeah, and then uh, Xenoblade Chronicles X got nominated for RPG of the Year. Yes, That's I mean, honestly, that game should probably have been nominated for Game of the Year. It is that good. It is the best RPG I have ever played. I've put somewhere around 75 to 80 hours of it of uh, gameplay into that game, and I still haven't beaten it yet, although I am getting close to the end. Um, but it is just that good. I mean, you know, the storyline is pretty unique, you know, in the fact that if you haven't played the games, you know, it's a spaceship carrying a entire city of people escapes from Earth right before aliens blow up the planet. And then as it's journeying through space, they get attacked again and they crash land on an alien planet. In the crash, the life hold, which is where all of the humans have been cryogenically frozen, falls off the spaceship and lands somewhere on the planet. And, you, and the main story is trying to find that life hold before its um, internal power systems run out and everybody dies. And the open world exploration is amazing. It's huge. It's beautiful. Um, you know, I really, I really can't say enough good things about that game. It's not perfect, but you know, it is a, it's an awesome game. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's on my to do list. I haven't found time for it yet. Uh, it's like every time I get ready to play that game, something else comes along to to just dissuade me just enough to just leave it sealed in the packaging. Uh, but I'm looking forward to that. Uh, and there was one more game uh, that Nintendo got nominated. Uh, one more category they got nominated for this year. 
best fighting game. So there are only four games in this category. So there's, you know, it's Killer Instinct Season 3, King of Fighters um, 14, and Pokemon Tournament and Street Fighter 5. Of these nominees, um, I think Street Fighter 5 is probably going to be the favorite, but I would say Pokemon Tournament would be a close second. So I could see either of those winning that category. Having played both titles, uh, I think that Pokemon Tournament actually is the superior fighting game, which is, look, I come from the, an FGC background. Like I grew up in arcades playing FGC titles. I love the Street Fighter series. It's like got a very special place in my heart because it taught me how to be a competitive gamer. That being said, this game was strictly only aimed at the competitive gaming market. It took them a while after the console release to add a arcade, an arcade mode for people to play at home by themselves in single player. That is a flawed game at launch. The fact that you have to correct your game, it, it, that's, that's just bad. I mean, Street Fighter will most definitely win just based on the fact that it's an established fighting game it had the hype behind it it it's always gonna have the hype behind it it's a fucking street fighter game it's gonna have the hype that being said Pokemon tournament in my opinion did a lot more it reinvented you know the fighting genre and it did it with the most cutesy looking characters they possibly could have done it with i mean you have pikachu pikachu libre uh breaks in i mean you've got some ferocious looking pokemon like your guard chomps and your machamps but th there's something to be said about the fact that a Pokemon fighting game exists, and I personally believe it was better than the established series. Uh, I haven't been a fan of the recent remakes of, the, of Killer Instinct, uh, the seasons. Uh, I'm glad that the franchise is still finding a foothold, but I'm, it's, it's just not in my cup of tea anymore. I think it, it's just too, it's too animated now in in a way that it doesn't even make sense. Even even compared to Pokemon and Street Fighter, Killer Instinct is, is way too a animated. Uh, there is actually one more category, um, and it's most anticipated game. And if Breath of the Wild doesn't win that, then there's something wrong with the Game Awards. That's all I have to say on that one. At, at this point, I mean, Breath of the Wild being the most anticipated game is almost like a Nintendo construct. It's like they built it to be the most anticipated game because they keep fucking delaying the if, title. Uh, if any company can make you want or anticipate a game, it's Nintendo. And not always for good reasons. Oh yeah. You know, but but yeah. So those are the, the Game Awards. Um, I have been watching the Game Awards for the last five years. Uh, it's a really good production. They do a good job. It's it's not like your cookie cutter, like, you know, Oscars or Grammys and even the MTV Awards. It, like, Jeff Keighley does a great job of, like, putting that show together. It's thoroughly enjoyable. I'm looking forward to watching them live tomorrow. And they're going to be broadcasting in VR. So <laughs> I'm going to be sitting on my couch with my VR headset on watching that because I can guarantee you that is going to be an experience to watch that in VR. Yeah, it's interesting. Oh man, so those are your news stories for for this month, man. What is what is your story of the month? What is your of these three categories? What is your story of the month? Um, 
I think you wanted to get into the the last story about the Pokemon's oh. moon breaking record. You're right. You're right. You're right, guys. I'm I'm a little hyped. I'm hyped because I'm I really want to get to the topic of the month. <laughs> but yes, Pokemon Sun and Moon have broken records. At least they've broken their own record. Uh, so essentially, an article came out maybe about an hour before we went live saying that uh, Pokemon Sun and Moon have a uh, in their first two weeks have outsold Pokemon X and Y by 85% for their first two weeks of sales. Like that is a huge increase. Uh, the out the whole the the lifetime sales for Pokemon X and Y are 15.84 million. So Sun and Moon in two weeks have sold 3.7 million units in America. That's just in the United, you know, the you know the continents of the United States, Canada, and uh, South America. So those regions we have sold 3.7 million units, smashing the uh, the previous record set for X and Y. This is big. This is big news. It it shows you that people still actually want to buy Nintendo games. Even further, it shows you that people still want to buy handheld games. Um, I know that with the Nintendo Switch coming out, it looks like we're shifting away from the handheld market for a more hybrid market, you know, of the portable and home console. But look, Nintendo can still make a hot fucking handheld title, and they can break records doing it. That that's this is really good news for Nintendo. And this is just America. I mean, and the game came out. A like five days later in the rest of the world, like in Europe and Australia. So you have to imagine what the first month numbers are going to look like in a couple weeks, man. It's going to be huge. They definitely got it right when they did that massive 10 million unit shipment worldwide. Um, I don't know how many units they've actually sold worldwide, but I know that um, it's going to be getting close to that 10 million pretty soon and they they actually you know analyze the demand for this game like right which they haven't been doing for you know Pokemon Go Plus the recent 3DS over Black Friday NES Mini so at least they got it right with Pokemon oh yeah now I have a question in your opinion how much of Pokemon Sun and Moon's success early success is crossover hype from Pokemon Go. So Pokemon has always been successful, every iteration of it. This one would have been successful without Pokemon Go. It may not have um, broken those records, but the anticipation for this game was already really high before Pokemon Go ever came out. So Sun and Moon, it really, I, I think Pokemon Go has, has definitely boosted um, Pokemon Sun and Moon sales, but it hasn't necessarily boosted them as much as some people would think because these games were going to sell millions of units within the first week regardless. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. Um, but I think, you know, we can add some, uh, we can add a couple more numbers to this conversation. Uh, they sold 100,000 more uh, 3DS units. Uh, on the release date of Pokemon Sun and Moon. Uh, and this is just in the Japanese market. 
which you know you have to imagine that 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 market was heavily saturated with 3ds's already like you i personally i would have assumed that everybody in japan who wanted a 3ds already had one so for them to sell an additional 100 million units i have to think that a lot of those people who are part of that 100 million did play pokemon go remember the nostalgia and said i'm ready to jump back into the main series and i'm certain that a lot of that happened here too uh i would probably say it's less than five percent of the overall sales but i have to assume that it's i mean five percent of 3.7 million is still a lot of people who may have bought pokemon sun and moon just based on their experience playing pokemon go and remembering that they love these games and they they're ready to jump back in and experience a new adventure for the first time so i think there is an impact i just i don't want to think it's as big as maybe some people have uh, perpetrated it to be like oh well pokemon go you know did 100 million units so or downloads so 100 million of those of those downloaded you know people who downloaded the game obviously bought you know 3ds's we can't let's let's not go no because, way off the horse because people forget that pokemon go and pokemon sun and moon appealed to two different demographics pokemon sun and moon still trends much younger it's you know marketed more towards the you know 8 to 12 year old crowd and those kids usually don't have cell phones and they're not the ones that are running around playing Pokemon Go. Pokemon Go was marketed towards millennials. It was marketed towards people in their 20s and 30s and even, you know, above that. So you got to remember, like, that's two different demographics. And there are a lot of, you know, people in their 20s and 30s that play Sun and Moon because anybody that grew up with these games, is, you know, um, there's a lot of people that that have just been playing Pokemon since 1998. But the marketing for these games target different demographics. So you also have to take that into account. Oh yeah, 100% agree with that. All right, I asked this question before, but now that we've actually talked about all the news stories, what is your favorite news story for this month, man? What is the news story that has you the most excited? Um, man, I would, I guess Universal Studios because, you know, I want more of that. I want to know more. I'm, I'm right there with you, man. I, the thing about the Universal Studios thing, it's, it's, it's the not knowing and letting your imagination run wild with it. Like, what could there be? Like, I have a list of things I want to see at this theme park. Like I do, like I have in my mind, I know what rides and what sections I I want to get on. I want to do like, like, I'm envisioning like Mario Kart bumper cars or a Mario Kart like uh, 3D, you know, simulator. Or I'm, I'm envisioning a Donkey Kong minecart roller coaster, you know, a Pokemon Center where I can buy loads of Pokemon stuff that's exclusive to Universal Studios. I, like my mind, when I think about it, it like my mind is fl- bombarded with images of what could be. And man, that just gets me so excited. And I, I really can't wait for more announcements about this. Like what year is it coming? You know, I hope that it's 
more towards the tail end of 2017, not necessarily getting into 2018, because right now you've announced this twice in two separate years. And Nintendo is notorious for delays over things like perfection. This is something that scares me a lot more because this is a physical place where we will be going and Nintendo's obsession with perfection could get in the way of something that could be truly magical. I don't think so because Nintendo isn't really in charge of the construction. It's, you know, Universal Studios are going to be in control of this more than Nintendo is. I think Nintendo is probably just giving them the concepts and the ideas for how the rides need to be, uh, the stores that need to be put in there, and then the overall look. You know, I'm sure they have like a quality control person that goes out and says, yeah, you know, right now this building you're making, it looks great, just keep it up. But really it's it's more Universal Studios. I, It takes a long time to build, um, you know, a section of a theme park, especially one that's going to be as big as Nintendo, the Nintendo World or whatever they're going to call it. So I remember that they did say it's going to be bigger than the Harry Potter section. Right. So you got to, you know, it's going to be a few years. I mean, it's and that's not because of delays. It just takes a while to build something that big. Well, I'm super excited. I cannot wait to get to this theme park. This is that kind of shit that makes me realize I'm never going to leave Florida. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just going to be here forever because what's the reason to leave now? What is the reason to leave if you're building a Nintendo theme park? <laughs> My fiance is going to kill me if she watches this episode, guys. All right. So we're in agreement. Universal Studios deal. Biggest news story for November. Guys, email us. Let us know what is your favorite news story. From this month is it the game awards is it pokemon breaking all their records or is it universal studios emails drop us a line thesplatzones at gmail.com we want to know and we want to read your answers on on live on the air so go ahead hit us up with that all right so uh let's move on because uh this is the last time we're going to do this next segment man uh it was fun while it lasted, but enough is enough, as you would say. Yeah. Pokemon Go updates. Ditto was released in the game last week. Yeah, the Ditto event was pretty good. It wasn't as good as the Halloween event. Halloween event was um, really, it was great. Um, the Ditto event, you know, honestly... The novelty of this game has worn off, and it's something that we discussed when it came out. If it would be a distraction for us while, you know, to play Pokemon Sun and Moon, would we still be obsessed with Pokemon Go? You know, back then I said that the novelty would wear off, and it really wouldn't, we wouldn't be playing it as much, and that's definitely the case for me. Um, I think you might still be playing it a little bit more than me, but, you know, um, the only reason i i turn it i turn the, the the app on just to get this to keep my streaks going with the first catch of the day and the and the pokestop of the day because you know niantic has kind of killed it and and just taken the fun out of it you can't play you can't play while you're driving which you shouldn't do anyway <laughs> well but then why does the passenger thing still come up when you go over 30 miles an hour that's a good like question 
equivalent of that coming up if you can't play anymore. So, and then, uh, you know, you can't um, really find if, – if you are west of the Mississippi River right now, you know what I'm talking about. If you have the tracker, the tracker, which I'm sure that they'll fix it, it's pretty terrible. They actually came out with a system that, you know, was worse than the one they had before because if that Pokemon isn't near a Pokestop and you're in a rural area, your sightings are usually blank and you're not going to find anything. It doesn't mean Pokemon won't pop up, but you won't know where they are because they don't appear in your sightings. So on top of all that, though, like the thing that was keeping me in the game was the gyms. It is too easy now to take a gym down. If you are a decent player with a pretty strong team, you can take down a level 10 gym in under a half an hour. And because they made it harder to build prestige, it's almost not worth it to build up a gym anymore. So all of those things have really kind of sapped the fun out of it for me. Um, you know, but, but with that said, like I do have a video that talks about um, the double weaknesses and how to take advantage of some of these Pokemon in the gyms um, because it's going to be more important now to really try to get as much prestige as possible to save you on potions and revives if you are going to build prestige. So I did come out with an advanced prestige video, um, which you can find on our YouTube channel. Uh, and it's it pretty much it, it's meant so that even if you're a beginner, you'll understand it. But it does go into the double weaknesses of some Pokemon, like you know Gyarados being um, doubly weak to electric attacks since it's a water flying type. So you know it it would behoove you to use an electric type Pokemon to try and get as much prestige as you can, um, because you know it used to be using a Pokemon that was you know slightly weaker, you would still get you know, about, about 500 prestige, but now that's not the, the case anymore. So you really got to know what you're doing if you want to build those gyms up. But yeah, sorry, I'm kind of rambling on here, but... Um, no, you're good. Uh, you had uh, mentioned, I am playing it a little bit more than you still. Uh, well, I'm still playing it. Uh, mostly it's because I've been reinvigorated in the game, so to speak. Uh, I had a, I went on a vacation with my fiance. We went to Georgia. We spent some time up in up there uh, to spend some time with some family. And while we were there, you know, it's the whole road trip. You know, when you're on a road trip, like how everything feels fun and fresh. Um, you know, we opened up Pokemon Go and we caught some things that we hadn't had yet, things that don't pop up here in Tampa. So it was definitely cool to find new Pokemon, especially ones that we just have never popped up in Tampa. So that made me play the game a lot more. On top of that, the Ditto event happened. Ditto being my third favorite Pokemon after Pikachu and Mewtwo. So definitely fun to go out and catch some Dittos. I have nine right now. I just yeah, catching every Pidgey and Rattata. I mean, and one positive thing I will say is that um, changing the CP on all the Pokemon was a good thing because it definitely um, expanded the, the list of Pokemon that you can actually use to defend gyms and attack gyms with. So that was great. That that was a great update. As long as they can tweak the the gym formula again, um, I think you know it'll it'll be more fun trying to take over gyms. But but yeah, you know it's um, the the Ditto update was pretty good. Um, 
it makes me wonder what they're going to do for Christmas. I have a feeling it's going to be legendary birds. But I keep hearing rumors of Gen 2. I do too, but, you know, and I don't think it would make sense to release Gen 2 if you haven't released all of Gen 1 yet, but we'll see. I could totally see them doing that. Uh, but, you know, having Ditto unlocked in the game gives me hope that we may see some of these uh, region-specific Pokemon come out. I mean, Niantic does have to take into account people's finances. Not everybody can afford to travel to these, you know, international territories. Like, I, you know, I eventually will fly to Japan, but, like, I can't afford it now. Uh, I have no desire to ever go back to Europe. I spent half my life there, so going back doesn't seem all that interesting, especially for Mr. Mime. So it would be nice if they uh, opened up those those region-specific Pokemon. I think Ditto is a nice start. Ditto is almost like an apology at this point, to be honest, though. It's like Niantic saying, we're sorry for all the things we haven't gotten right yet. Mm -hmm. here's, here's our apology. Here's Ditto. Maybe so. Um, I mean, as far as the game is now for me, I've... I've uh, completed the North American Pokedex, so I have 143, 143 caught, and um, I'm at level 32 right now, so that's that's where I am. Um, the Halloween event really helped a lot with that, but since the Halloween event, my playtime has kind of dropped significantly, but hopefully the December event will bring me back, so we'll see. Yeah, I yo-yoed during during that because the Halloween event had me. The first few days of the Halloween event, I was all over the place, and I stopped playing. By the last day, I wasn't. I didn't even open up the app. The last day of the event, uh, the road trip with my fiance got me back into the game, and of course, while I was on the road, they did they they opened up they did the uh, the update that opened up the uh, the double experience, and all that good stuff. So. That helped me. That brought my playtime back up. I haven't played it all today. Uh, as far as my stats are concerned, I'm currently at level 30. Uh, I hit that because of this uh, double experience update with some lucky eggs. Uh, I have, as far as my Pokedex is concerned, I have 140. Of the 143, I'm missing an Omastar, a Porygon, and a Chansey. Uh, my chances of getting those three are really slim. So I literally just made my Oma Star, my buddy, my Oma Oma Knight, my buddy Pokemon, and I'm just gonna have to get an Oma Star the hard way because Oma Knights haven't really been popping up for me at all. Uh, that's it. That's our that's our last time talking about Pokemon Go. Um, not that I don't enjoy the game. Still, I, I still find enjoyment in the game, and I'll still continue to play it. Uh, it's just that you know. The you know Mario After Party is right. the The overall novelty of the game is worn off, uh, especially now with the advent of Pokemon Sun and Moon. Um, we will re be replacing our Pokemon Sun and um, our Pokemon Go talk with uh, updated stats in Pokemon Sun and Moon. Um, so we're not going to stop talking about Pokemon, guys. Uh, this may be the last episode of the Pokemon Corner, but the regular Nintendo Power Zone show will incorporate our Pokemon Sun and Moon talks. Uh, and we definitely want to keep you updated. Today is just like our farewell to the Pokemon Corner. But, you know, we're not very deep into the games yet. So these are just our initial impressions that are going to be coming up later today. Let's move on to our next section. 
it's more Pokemon Sun and Moon, but in a different way. The Pokemon Sun and Moon anime uh, got released in Japan, and I've watched the first four episodes, and I complained about the art style when I initially saw it. I thought it was like this, like, faux Miyazaki, you know, shit fest. And I, I was literally ready for this show to suck. I love this anime. I love it. Especially that episode, the first episode where they where they unveiled Beware. Oh, man. That's, I mean, there are some, I was surprised too. There are some laugh out loud moments in that first episode. Just the fact that they, the the little voice that they gave Beware, you know, the eee. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's it's really good, and I was really anticipating this to be bad. I, I I had it in my mind that this would be bad. The Pokemon X, Y, and Z series and the Pokemon X and Y series before it were really good. I haven't enjoyed the Pokemon anime that much since season one and two. And Pokemon X and Y brought me back, and X, Y, and Z really had my attention. And and I was ready for I was like, oh well, at least we got one more a couple more good seasons out of this show before it started to suck again. But no, it's it's really good. It's really funny. The art style actually works. Um though it, it works better in motion than I thought it would. Uh they still look a little silly, but it it, it plays to the sillier nature of the anime as a whole in this season. Like it's it's sillier, but because of that, that animation style works a lot better. Well, if you have seen the first episode, I don't, not a lot of people caught it, but Mr. Mime and Ash's mom are having a very inappropriate relationship. <laughs> when I first saw that episode, and they're like lying back on the you know the little um, what do you call those things by the pool. Uh, Ah, man, the the, The little folded back chairs or whatever. And like, I'm like, man, that's kind of weird. They they both kind of look like they're like together, but you know, it's Pokemon. So that can't happen. And then they're riding in the little uh, carriage and Mr. Mime places his hand over on Ash's mom's thigh. And I was like, oh my God, (laughs) this is wrong. Just wrong, wrong, wrong. And if you watch the first episode, you will know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, I didn't catch it the first time until after you you uh, you made me aware of it. Uh, thank you for ruining a, a children's <laughs> show. No, that being said, though, I, I do like a couple things right off the bat. Um, I, I like the setting of Alola. I think this show does a really good job of introducing Alola as a region. Uh, I like the fact that at the end of the first episode, Ash is given a Z-ring. If you guys watch Pokemon X and Y and X, Y, and Z, Ash never really gains the ability to Mega Evolve. Now, he has the Battle Bond ability with his Greninja, which is like sort of Mega Evolution, but not really. When you consider the fact that Ash has a crap ton of Pokemon that can physically Mega Evolve, and they just chose not to bring back his like Glalie or his Charizard or his Sceptile. You know, they, I can see why you want to focus each season on you know the Pokemon from each region. But Ash has a battle-worthy team of 
Pokemon that can Mega Evolve, and he just was never given that ability. Uh, so the fact that he is going to be able to Mega Evolve, in fact, by Episode 2, I'm sorry, Z, uh, use a Z-Move. And by the end of Episode 2, he does use a Z-Move. He, he and Pikachu physically perform a Z-Move. I am glad to see that he is going to get this because it was a total bummer that he never truly got Mega Evolution. So that has me excited uh, for the show as a whole, just to see how this show is developing. Uh, I like the character of Kiawe, even though he looks like he's mad at life. I, I just, I'm really enjoying this anime. It, I, I, I have really high hopes for, for the remainder of this series, uh, especially now that I'm actually playing the game and like I can compare and contrast what I'm seeing in the anime versus what I'm seeing in the game, I really like having that side-by-side. Side. So, guys, if you haven't seen it yet, go ahead and find those episodes because they're really good. Uh, they're going to premiere on Disney XD, the first two episodes, on Monday, December 5th. So I, if you have Disney XD on your cable box, I suggest you, you look for it because they're going to debut the first two episodes in English. So that should be fun. Before we go on a commercial break, uh, I just, if you've been to our YouTube, the uh, Nintendo Power Zone YouTube channel, you know that Nice One and I are always expanding into different mediums and forms of media. So um, we're going to play with a little something special during the break. And uh, I have been, you know, for the last few months in the studio working on some music. It's, it's not video game related, it's just a, a one of my passions that I've been, uh, you know, pursuing. And so, uh, you know, if you look for Mario After Party on iTunes, uh, Google Play, or Amazon Music, you'll be able to find um, a few of the tracks that I have completed. It's also on um, all the major music streaming services as well, but if you just want to listen to it for free, you can um, look for it on SoundCloud, and I have the full tracks on there as well. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back and we are going to play a sample of one of my tracks. And we are back. Guys, we're going to get right into Pokemon Sun and Moon and everything we have experienced so far in the game. Yeah, I, I've been anticipating this conversation 
since the game launched. Um, well, since before I- we get into it, let's just – how many hours have you put into the game? 34 hours. Sorry, how many? 34 hours. Okay, I've put in about 20 hours, 21 hours into the game. So we've, we've both invested a pretty significant amount of time. Um, it's not enough time to give a review, guys, but we do want to give our impressions of everything we've played through so far. Yeah, uh, yeah I have, like, this weird OCD, guys. Like, we started the game right around the same time. We're roughly in the same area of the game. It's just that I have this weird OCD is that I can't leave an area until all my Pokemon are at exactly the same level. So no Pokemon can be above another. Like, I have some weird, like, communist mentality when it comes to my Pokemon. So that's that's the uh, the differential between our, ta- our gameplays. But there is a lot that we're going to discuss today. Let's start with which version did you buy? I bought Moon. I bought Sun. Uh, I don't think we have to go over this again, but maybe we should for people who are watching live and who are new. I bought Sun because Solgaleo looks extraordinarily badass. And I bought Moon because Lunala looks even better than Solgaleo. Only in your dreams, just like your song. So, if you're playing Moon, though, you guys know, like, I mean, my sleep schedule is crazy, so Moon works for me, because playing Moon, you're, like, permanently jet-lagged. If you play Moon during the day, it's nighttime in the game, and vice versa. So, it's a little crazy, but it works for me. (laughs) (laughs) I actually have, you know, I, I enjoy the normal clock. I don't have to, like, be up later so I can catch some daytime Pokemon. Um, that being said, speaking of Pokemon, I started with Litten. The damn thing was just so adorable. And in battle, I love the little animation that when you shoot Ember, like the fur on his back just spikes up and he shoots the fire. It's such a good little animation. Just a little piece of animation that like gives the, the, the Pokemon so much character that when I started the game, I instantly knew I was starting with Litten. Yeah, I started with Litten as well. And um, one thing I was surprised to discover was that the base stats um, it, for Incineroar, when it gets to its final form, they are higher than the other two starters. Normally, the starters are all equal in their base stats, but this time it's different. I don't know why. So Incineroar is, like, a lot stronger than the other two, is, you know, on paper. So that was kind of interesting. Yeah, I've been on the Litten train for a hot minute, man, and with each, with each evolutionary step, I was drawn more and more to the character. Like, Torakat looked awesome, but then the Incineroar looks freaking phenomenal. He's like a giant wrestler cat. Like, as a child of the 80s, wrestling was really big in the 80s, and so was Hulkamania. So to know that, uh, you know, Incineroar looks like the cat version of Hulk Hogan, that is something that just 
blew my mind. I was in I was in freaking ecstatic when I saw Incineroar, and I was like, this is I have made the right choice with the starter, regardless of stats. And this is the first. This is only the second time that I've picked anything other than a grass starter. The only other time I've picked anything other than a grass starter was in Pokemon X and Y, and I picked Greninja. So these last few games have, you know, they've caused me to break my trends in how I start a game. <clears throat> All right. So let's move on to your favorite new Pokemon. And guys, here's the criteria for new Pokemon. It has to be, as far as today is concerned, a Pokemon that you've caught in the game that is exclusive to the Alola region outside of Alolan Forms. So Alolan Forms don't count in this category. You have to have it either by catching it in-game or getting it through trade. So after party, what is your favorite brand new Pokemon? My favorite brand new Pokemon, at least for right now, is probably my Mudbray, just because um, he the uh, stamina ability is really amazing. And um, I know he's going to evolve into this awesome badass Mudsdale. And so far, he's he's been one of my uh, toughest Pokemon. I'm going a lot cuter with my pick. My favorite new Pokemon thus far is Stuffle. I like Stuffle a lot because it's freaking adorable. It even has like a tag on its little butt. It looks like a stuffed toy. Like, I can see Stuffle being a, a plushie that gets sold out immediately when it, re when it gets released. Because that damn Pokemon is cute. And it actually stays cute after it evolves, when it becomes Beware. Um, so I, I'm in love with, with it. And it's a little tank. That little Pokemon is tanky. It actually reminds me of Munchlax and Snorlax. When those two, those two Pokemon are pretty tanky. Uh, for Gen 1 Pokemon, and I feel like uh, Stuffle and Beware are the Gen 7 equivalent of those characters, and I, I just love it, and I love its little face, and I love how happy it looks, especially when you're doing, like, you know, the Pokemon friend thing, and you're, like, patting its little head, and he starts, like, jumping for joy. I love that Stuffle. It's my favorite new Pokemon thus far, and I think it might actually hold true throughout the remainder of the game. Well, we were we were talking about the description for Beware, and um, the description. If you have Moon, the description says this Pokemon has a habit of hugging its companions. Many trainers have left this world after their spines were squashed by its hug. Left this world, like <laughs> what? <laughs> Creepy. It, it kills its trainers. It's, <laughs> it. I love you. Well, it almost killed Ash in the anime as well, so... That's almost as disturbing as um, when you make it to the Battle Royale and you go into the department store and there's a little boy walking around with his Drifloon. I'm like, Drifloon steals children away. It says it in the description. Like, that child should not have that Pokemon. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so moving on. What is your favorite Alolan form? Again... The rules for this category are as follows. You have to have got it either via catching it in-game or receiving it through trade. Uh, so we're very early in our gameplay experiences, but in the time that I've started my game, I have managed to 
get a Pichu from you and fully evolve it into an Alolan Raichu. And I love Alolan Raichu. I love the psychic typing. Um, right now, it only knows psychic. I'm going to have to teach it you know, some other psychic moves. But I love the fact that Raichu is viable. Like, the problem with Pikachu and Pikachu-type evolutions throughout the Pokemon series is they have become unviable throughout the years. Like, they're literally there for the beginning of the game and because they look cute. But Alolan Raichu manages to be useful. I can see Alolan Raichu being used in competitive gameplay. His dual typing is really an advantage. Um, plus, you know, his ability, the, the surfer ability, it keeps him protected from, you know, move ground type moves like his, cause he's basically levitating. He cannot be hit by those, those moves. I think that is an interesting feature for an electric Pokemon loving Alolan Raichu right now. How about you, my brother? Yeah. Unfortunately, I haven't, um, gotten Alolan Raichu yet, so I can't really choose him, but I do have an Alolan Grimer, and I will say that I really like the Poison Dark typing um, because he only has one weakness, and that's ground. So the typing alone makes him um, pretty useful. And, you know, of course, Muck is um, one of the strongest Pokemon, you know, in Gen 1, and he's, you know, definitely going to be good in uh, Sun and Moon. So right now my favorite Alolan form is definitely Grimer. Yeah, I actually like Grammar too. Um, he not one of the best defensive Pokemon thus far, as far as my team is concerned. But uh, it's really done a number on Fairy type Pokemon for me. The ones that I've encountered, uh, I had to grind one out on a Sylveon, and having you know being able to poison a Sylveon ended up being really beneficial, and it saved me a battle that I was losing. Um. So let's go ahead and talk about the story a little bit, though, man. Like, I'm ready to talk about some meat and potatoes. Uh, this game opens up very similar to, you know, the last few Pokemon games. You're a trainer moving from a new, you know, from another region into, you know, the Alola region. And, you know, pretty much right off the bat, Calamity ensues, you know, with uh, Cosmog or Nebby, as Lily likes to call it you know, running away from the Aether Foundation. Uh, and I just want to point out that I called this the moment they showed the Aether Foundation. I said the Aether Foundation is going to be evil. This game literally starts with Lily running away from the Aether Foundation. So I'm not far enough in my game yet to truly find out what the true motives of the Aether Foundation are. But from what I've seen thus far, it's enough to know that it's bad. Um, but after party, how do you feel about the story as you've completed it thus far? And can we please talk about real cutscenes in a Pokemon game? Yeah, the cutscenes are great. Um, you know, the, you're further ahead of me. So, I mean, I, you've already encountered Team Aether. I am just about to go to the top of the volcano and, um, Battle Kiawe. So I'm 
I'm not quite as far in the storyline yet. Um, you know, in, in, in 20 hours into a Pokemon game, you know, you still have a, a lot left. So we're, you know, so far, um, I would say that the dialogue is pretty good. What I've noticed, it's um, the banter between the characters. Um, there are some moments where it's pretty witty or pretty funny. And uh, I noticed that's definitely one improvement the, the game has made. As far as the story as a whole, I would say right now um, it's pretty good. But I, I don't know if it's going to end up being like my favorite, you know, storyline for, for all the, you know, the generations I've played so far. So we'll see. Well, my favorite generation up until this point was Gen 3 as far as story. I felt like it actually had a somewhat compelling story. And I felt like Black and White started with a relatively compelling story and then it just kind of yeah, I agree. It went off the rails. Black and white, definitely the concept was by far the best. The fact that they addressed the elephant in the room of like, you know, aren't we, you know, wrong for using these Pokemon and forcing them to cockfight and we're enslaving them by capturing them and holding them in Pokeballs. It's like, you know, if, if Pokemon were in present day America, those are issues that people would be bringing up. So it did kind of peter out at the end. It didn't kind of stay true to the, the beginning of the storyline. But in my opinion, Black and White still has the best story. Um, but we'll see. I mean, Alola is so colorful and so rich and it's so pretty that, like, you're almost distracted visually by everything, too. You know, like, the storyline is there, but, like, at the, just the way that you interact with the environment is, is like you know, kind of part of it, too. Yeah, the region itself is a character more so than any other region. Like, Kanto isn't so much of a character, you know, but the Alola, the, the Alola region, it, it's, it's got so much life and variety in it that it almost feels like a character in and of itself. Um, I agree. The characters in this game, the banter between them is great, uh, especially how... I love interacting with how he actually makes me laugh out loud, like with his personality. Like, you know, he wants to be better than what he is, but he's also slightly lazy. So, like, he has like these contradicting themes going on. He's like, I want to beat my grandfather because he's the kahuna, but I'm a little too lazy to actually accomplish that goal. I kind of just want to eat my lasada and play with my Pokemon. But I find him to be really engaging as a character. He's he's fun, and I just I love like how he's always giving you stuff, and he's always there to battle you at the most inconvenient times. But at least he heals you up before he he battles with you. He's like, I want to battle, but before we do, I know you just fought a million other trainers. Here's some uh, here's a free health up. Go ahead and get get ready because we're gonna battle now. And I'm like, what the hell, how? Uh, how? Yeah, the, the difficulty level in this game, I feel like it's pretty balanced. You know, it's not too easy, but it's really not a hard game either. They do a pretty good job of making sure that um, if this is your first Pokemon experience, you won't have, you know, a really difficult time getting through the trials. Although I will say that... Um, the kahunas. The second trial for me, when you have to fight that wishy-washy in school form, that thing is a monster. So that was a little bit difficult for me, but 
other than that, the game, you know, it's been pretty easy. See, by that point in the game, I had a Snorlax already. Uh, and that was the only reason I got through that. My Snorlax is so tanky that it was able to, to take on the wishy-washy almost head on. Uh, but man, as far as, you know, have you noticed that like when you're playing the story, how frequently your, your opponents heal their Pokemon mid battle right before you knock them out? That is so annoying to me. I'm like, I almost beat you. You can't heal a totem Pokemon. That's not fair. When, when they used the, the, the potion or the full restore on the wishy-washy, I was like, no. Well, I mean, that kind of, like, you know, brings us into our next topic of what is your favorite feature for this game? Because I feel like this game is, has brought more features to the series than any game since Gold and Silver. It's, it's introduced a lot of new, pretty, you know, cool features in the game. So, um, I mean... What do you think about them so far? Man, I love a lot of these new features. I love the Pokepelago. Uh, I like the fact that I am getting Pokemon without, you know, actually going out and having to search for all of them. Like, I got a Carbink and the evolved form of a Drifloom uh, yesterday through the Pokepelago. I love that. I love getting the beans from Pokepelago because up until this point, I was struggling with how to get the beans. I mean, you had an entirely different bean struggle. We need to have a talk about the beans first. So, <laughs> yeah. So, nice one didn't realize that you can get the beans from the coffee shop. Um, I informed him, solved his problem right away. Me, on the other hand, okay, I can't be the only person who doesn't know this, but... When you feed the beans to your Pokemon, you have to hold the bean in front of their mouth and you cannot, you know, let go of the stylus and drop the bean. You have to hold it there and watch as they eat it and take little chunks out of it because, and I didn't realize that. So every time I gave my Pokemon a bean, I would drag it down and then just release it and assume that they were going to eat it. And they would always be mad at me every time. They were like, angry at me and they would give me these dirty looks and I tried giving them a lot of beans and they were pissed but I didn't know that you actually had to hold it in front of their little tiny freaking mouths until nice one if nice one hadn't told me I'm pretty sure that none of my Pokemon would have ever loved me and I would have gone through the whole game with like everybody at like two hearts because right now I've finally been able building up the the affection in the game is actually easy the the bean system and the uh, you know allowing you to the the Pokemon care system to to touch them and rub them and stuff, it helps you build up their their love for you pretty quickly. But I was having all these problems because my Pokemon hated me because I was starving them to death. So nice one kind of helped me out in that. But yeah, if like I said, I can't be the only person who didn't know that. But you know, had some issues with the beans. It's okay now though. Uh. You know what? Uh, Pokemon Refresh has actually been a really cool feature for me. I've actually really enjoyed Pokemon Refresh. Um, it can be a little tedious, but I started with the Pichu that you traded me, and I moved, you know, I, I built up its affection by, you know, feeding it beans and, you know, truly just engaging with it. It's like, it's like having a, a, a pet. And, you know, I, was, I actually enjoy Pokemon Refresh, and I like the fact that I was able to get a pretty good Alolan Raichu, you know, 
through all the efforts that I did uh, build up in Pokemon Refresh. What I also like about Pokemon Refresh is the the contributions that it that it makes when you're participating in an in-game battle. So whenever I throw out my Raichu, uh, my trainer character will it will cheer my Pokemon on. It's like a cheer function. Uh, he'll say, go in there, Raichu, you can do it, or I knew you could do it, or it'll help my Raichu avoid attacks by shouting, you know, and my Raichu will acknowledge the shout and avoid, you know, attacks that are potentially, you know, battle-changing. I like that the friendship function helps you within the game as far as in-game battles are concerned. It makes a huge difference in my success rate in battles. Like, I wasn't really losing any battles, but at the same time, my battles in-game have gotten a lot more successful because of Pokemon Refresh. And I know this is something that they carried over from X and Y, but I feel like it's implemented a lot better here in Sun and Moon. They took an idea, they took the idea of Pokemon and me, and they expanded upon it and made it something that's viable in-game and something you want to use a lot more frequently. Well, and it's part of your main menu, which is makes it more accessible. I, I never used Pokemon Me and X and Y, you know, but I, it, one of the nice, even though it is a little repetitive having to like blow dry your Pokemon or like brush the dirt off them. Um, it is nice to be able to heal them of any status condition after the battle is over by, you know, using that little, um, I don't know, Q-tip thing to, to heal them. It does save you on a lot of items, which saves you money. So that that's one nice thing that I do like about the Pokemon um, refresh. Uh, yeah, man, Pokemon refresh has been definitely one of my favorite features. Uh, and, you know, obviously Z-moves have been something I have enjoyed a lot. Um my favorite feature is is got to be the ride Pokemon. I am surprised. I didn't think I would like it. I thought it would be annoying. But you know what? The way that they make it, everything is, they do a good job of making all these features accessible to the player. So, you know, with, you know, just press the Y button, you have all your ride Pokemon pop up and you can just get on them in the same way that you would use, you know, the bicycle or the fishing rod in the old games. And it is really uh, when when I realized that you know they got rid of HMs and and for this, and now you don't have to teach your Pokemon Strength or Rock Smash or you know Surf if you don't want to. It opens up your team so that you can just have the best Pokemon in your team with the best moves. In the previous games, I always had to have one Pokemon that was my HM Pokemon. And I usually would find a Pokemon that I could just teach that could learn at least four HMs. And I would teach it like water, you know, a waterfall, rock smash, surf, like, and you know, all these moves that some, a lot of them weren't really that great. And just so that I could, you know, make it through the, the, the world of, you know, whatever region I was in. And so... And you need all of those HMs in the old games just to get past, you know, just to get to the Elite Four during the, you know, Victory Road, you know. Right. It was annoying. And so, 
it, it doesn't, you know, make force you to just, you know, pick five Pokemon and one HM Pokemon. It's, it's a lot better. And surprisingly, um, you know, each of the ride Pokemon, they do offer you different features and there are different benefits for each one, you know, like the Stoutland, you know, you can't ride as fast as the Taros, but he can sniff out all of the hidden items in the game, um, which is a nice feature. So I'm the ride feature for me is is my favorite one. Surprisingly, um, I do like the uh, Pokemon like call for help feature, but it can be annoying I too. Feature. I mean, it's Mm-mm. nope, no way should a Pokemon be allowed to call for help four times and all four times get help. It's a it's crazy. They will call for help and it makes battling wild pokemon so much harder because they'll call for help and then sometimes their help will call for help and you'll just have to battle this endless stream of pokemon and if it's a strong pokemon it can make the battle, battling them pretty miserable. Well the worst part about it for me is is that every time they call for help it's a pokemon that I'm actually trying to catch because I don't have it registered to my pokédex. It's like Oh, well, now I have to knock the one out before I can catch the one I want. Although I I did luck out in that I had a Magby and a Magmar uh, pop up at the same time. So the Magby popped up, and then it called a Magmar for help. And then I knocked out the Magby because I said, I'll just take the Magmar instead. And then the Magmar called for help. So eventually I was able to get both Pokemon, like with relative ease because of the the help feature. I like the, you know, the experience boost that you get when you get when you do fight Pokémon that call for help, but man, it's tedious. And it can be a bitch. I agree. But it's it's worse when it's when you're in a trial and the uh, the totem calls for help because the totems are super OP. Well, it's <laughs> It can be a pain, but, you know, it, it's funny when the help doesn't come because then I'm like, ha, you don't have any friends. Now get in my Pokeball. <laughs> All right, so let's go ahead and move on to your favorite side character. There are a bunch, and each character has a lot of personality where Lily is, like, very coy and a little ditzy, uh, and, you know, How is, like, super energetic but lazy at the same time. How is literally a walking contradiction. You have your kahunas who are like benevolent and, you know, really want for you, for the young, the youth in the Alola region to advance and, and truly like learn to appreciate the culture of the Alola region. And then you have the professor Kukui. He, he is a character. Uh, but for me, I like how a lot, man, he, he's just fun. He's funny. Everything he says is funny. Even his reactions, a little bit. I'm a little bit further than you in the game, so some of his reactions are pretty hilarious. But how is steadily becoming one of my favorite uh, side characters in any Pokemon game? He's definitely my favorite rival character. I like Professor Kukui. I mean, he's kind of eccentric, and uh, I think he's a little crazy, but. Um, he's pretty cool. Sexy flexy Kukui because he's never wearing a shirt. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> he's kind of he's funny. So No, uh I love that, that one scene uh right after you uh complete your first grandchild 
and like he's tearing up his house by battling with his rock ruff. And like you just see like the smoke coming off the roof of his house. I was like, "Thank you for reminding me about that because his house the is right on the beach. Like the waves almost wash up and like hit his house. Yet he has a basement. How is that possible? <laughs> that must be a engineering marvel, which is probably extremely expensive to construct a basement when you are like." 20 feet from the ocean. You're at sea level, yeah. No, but I love that scene. Kakui, yeah, he's definitely a character. All right. Let's move on to a feature that we haven't really talked about because we didn't know how it was going to be, how well it would be incorporated into the game. Z-moves. What are your thoughts on Z-moves? In my opinion, they function a lot like burst moves from a Pokemon tournament. They literally have the the same effect where it's like this one big burst attack and it can change the tide of battle. And Garrison. I love it. I loved it in Pokemon Tournament. I like it a lot more in Sun and Moon because it's a lot more viable. A lot of unusable Pokemon have some pretty badass Z moves. So you had, you had given me a Pichu. You had given me a Pichu, and I, you know, trained it up to an Alolan Raichu. Uh, then I got to a point where somebody was going to teach a Pikachu a Z move, and it's a Z move that only Pikachu can learn. Raichu can't learn it, and Pichu can't learn it. It's exclusive to the Pikachu form of the evolutionary line, and I had to start and build up another Pichu to a Pikachu because I wanted to have this Z move. And now that I have this Z-move, it's made Pikachu completely viable because it's a really, really good electric attack. It, it makes Pikachu viable, and Pikachu has never, ever really been a viable Pokemon. I love the Z-move. Um, I don't think it's meta-breaking. I think you can have it in a competitive Pokemon scene. Um, one of the biggest differences is that, you know, even though you can only use it once per match like a mega evolution once the move is finished that pokemon goes back to being you know you know strength pokemon with the same moves in a mega evolution when you mega evolve that pokemon changes its form and that form depending on how long it takes to kill that pokemon can last a lot of turns and um with the Z-move, it's one turn, and it's always going to be one turn because it doesn't change the form of the Pokemon. So the Pokemon goes back to being normal after you use the Z-move, and then because any Pokemon can use it, it really makes battling that much more strategic. So I think it's actually going to be a good thing for the meta, and I really... I'm impressed with the Z movie. Yeah, and like I said, the best way for me to compare it was to compare it to the, you know, you know, the synergy bursts in Pokemon Tournament because they truly do perform essentially the same function. I mean, you get a burst attack for a brief period of time. Once you use that major attack, that that burst mode, that that ends that turn and it it in Poké Tournament, it changes the title battle, 
in Pokemon Sun and Moon, it can turn the tide of battle. And sometimes it can, depending on, you know, the specific type of Z-move. It, 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 it's not a one-hit kill. It's not an Oko. It's, it's a legitimate mechanic that, if utilized correctly, can turn the tide of, you know, an in-game battle or a competitive battle. I can't wait to see how, you know, the, the, the Pokemon community incorporates Z moves into the overall metagame because it's a it's a really interesting mechanic and I can guarantee you people are going to find ways of using that in ways that Mega Evolution just didn't fit the bill because you no longer need to have a Pokemon that can Mega Evolve uh, you don't have to have that designated slot in your team you can teach you know a number of Pokemon Z moves using the same Z crystal. Um, it literally just comes down to how you want to use that Z-move and how you time that Z-move. It's a very, very cool feature, and I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I've actually enjoyed it so much that I went ahead and purchased myself a Z-ring and some additional Z-crystals. Uh, guys, I want to thank everybody who watched the, uh, the unboxing of this. It was great, but I do want to go ahead and make a correction here on the show. Uh, the Z-Ring does not actually use NFC. It uses sound. If you can see right here, that is a microphone, and it syncs via the speakers of the 3DS to use the Z-Move. It's a very cool function, and I love it. This Z-Ring has actually given me about 10 to 15% more enjoyment in the game uh, because I love wearing it, and while I'm doing the Z-Move, just... Look at that. That's just fun. That's just fun to do. So the Z-Ring has actually been a very cool function. Uh, and it's it's actually made my gameplay experience a lot more fun. Uh, definitely like the fact that it fits. Probably the coolest accessory Nintendo has ever had the pleasure of being associated with. Uh, this is a far cry from the Pokemon Go Plus, which was impossible to find and... You know, not not very well distributed, period. Uh, definitely a far cry from Amiibos, which actually, you know, do use NFC capabilities. And, you know, they just didn't produce enough of them. Um, <clears throat> definitely like the fact that they were able to use the Z-Ring the way they did, incorporate it into the story of the game. <laughs> there it goes again. And do it much better than they've done you know, previous accessories or peripherals. Uh, that being said, I, it's, I'm glad that it was outsourced to Takara Tomy, who has the master toy license for the Pokemon series, uh, because because of that, there are obviously units to go around. It's still going off. Let me uh, move this. But, yeah, it, it made a huge difference having it being made by a third-party company other than Nintendo themselves. Uh, and I love collecting the Z-Crystals. Very cool, and I love it. Um, I, one feature I feel like is a little underappreciated is the fact that once you've battled a Pokemon, it will tell you what moves you have are strong or weak against that Pokemon. And... Um, it is really nice not having to like look up a chart, a type chart, to figure out oh, what is strong against this Pokemon, and you know not having to remember everything. 
because there are a lot of types in this game, especially when you get into the dual types, and there are some weird types. You know, there is a Pokemon in this game that is water, fire, that Volcanion. Um, and there's a Pokemon, you know, in that's, you know, new to uh, Sun and Moon that's electric flying. It, you know, the uh, Oricorio's um, little pom-pom form. So there are some weird types that, you know, you're like, God, what, what are the resistances and, you know, what is this going to be super effective against? So it is really nice to have that feature. Expanding on that, when you and I battled online the other night, when I was swapping Pokemon, I was able to base my selection of the next Pokemon based on my Pokemon's moves. By clicking a Pokemon, I was able to see which moves would be effective against your Pokemon, and I was able to base my decision on which Pokemon to throw out next on that idea. I was like, okay, well, this Pokemon has the best chance because it has two super effective moves against Chris's. So this even extends to the competitive aspect of Pokemon Sun and Moon. So it makes it a lot more understandable in a competitive aspect. There are some weird types out there. There are psychic fighting Pokemon and psychic dark Pokemon. It's like, you know, I don't remember. We talked about this in an earlier episode. I think there was like over 130 different dual types, and that was before Sun and Moon came out. So if Sun and Moon has added to that, which I'm pretty sure that they have because Sun and Moon um, has definitely given a lot of love to the fairy types, which kind of have been neglected, I feel, um, in some of the previous generations. So there's probably some new types added on to that. So that's a great um, feature, not just for newbies, but for people like me who've been playing this game for, you know, almost 20 years. So there you go. No, it's definitely very cool. All right. So I wanted to wrap up our Pokemon Sun and Moon uh, conversation by comparing it uh, just in general to Pokemon Go and like what, what you know, we know the differences because they're very glaring, but comparing how you feel about both of those games having them, you know, since they both came out in the same calendar year, we essentially had two major Pokemon games come out this year, both of them being very different. Um, I mean, it's very clear that Pokemon Go catered strictly to a mobile audience uh, and an adult audience. You know, they wanted to recapture the magic that the original Red and Blue, you know, started, you know, some 20 years ago. And, you know, even their launch trailer was strictly aimed at, you know, millennials. Or if there were kids in the trailer, they made sure that that kid was shown with a parent or a parental figure with them. So... I mean, comparing the two, I mean, it's clear to see how, you know, the marketing itself is different. Like, yes, Pokemon Sun and Moon does, you know, skew a little bit younger. But I think that it's deep enough that it, it can reach a more mature audience. It, 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 there is a deep, there are deep mechanics in this game, you know, deeper than I've explored thus far. I mean, I like, like I said, I'm only a fraction of the way complete with this game. And I can tell you right now that, there is a deep metagame brewing in this generation, probably deeper than any other generation. Whereas Pokemon Go is rudimentary across the board, rudimentary in its battle system, rudimentary in its gym system, extraordinarily rudimentary in its catching system. Um, 
but those are just my initial comparisons. Like, I mean, it's not that I didn't enjoy Pokemon Go because I did and I still do. It's just that when I compare it to a real main series game, I I start to see a lot of a lot more of the holes that Pokemon Go could have filled. But you know, Niantic you know chose to keep this game uh, geared towards a mobile audience versus you know the truly hardcore Pokemon audience. I agree. I feel like uh, playing Pokemon Sun and Moon kind of just highlights really what we're missing from Pokemon Go, um, and it kind of accentuates Pokemon Go's flaws even more because we still don't have PvP battles. We still don't have trading, and the tracking system right now is terrible, even if you have the new one. So... Um, it's, you know, but with, with that said, Pokemon Go is definitely a, um, genre defining groundbreaking game and it definitely, um, is going to be remembered for a long time, even after, you know, it's way past its prime. Although I do think it will have a, a, a lot of longevity because of the events and, and through, especially when they release Gen 2, you know. I mean, I'm not really playing Pokemon Go anymore, if I'm being honest. Like, you know, I, I've caught everything um, except for the ones that I've, I would have to travel outside the U.S. to catch. Um, they've kind of messed up the gym system for me. So I my playtime per day is probably like five minutes. I turn on the game, get the Pokestop, get the first catch, and that's it. Um, but I know that when they release Gen 2, I'll be back. And I know that when they they come out with another event, like for uh, the Legendary Birds and uh, Mewtwo, you know, I'll be back for that too. And it's a game that you know I may not play as obsessively over the next you know coming months or over the next year as I did during its initial release, but it's a game that I'm not going to delete from my phone because I'm still going to be playing it um, from time to time. And like I said, when Gen 2 comes out, you know, for at least for the first few weeks, I'll probably be pretty obsessed again. But having Sun and Moon and being able to compare the two, you can see um, just how good these games really are and even though i think mobile gaming is an important market and it's growing it does kind of prove that there is still a reason why the handheld market um hasn't died off there's a reason why the handheld market is still going strong for these portable consoles like the 3ds and it's because you get to play quality games like Pokemon Sun um, and Pokemon Moon that you really wouldn't be able to get that kind of an experience on a mobile game. It, there would be there's a lot of logistical and, and technical issues um, and the experience would would definitely be cheapened if they tried to port it over to a mobile game. So there are um, you know Pokemon Sun and Moon is is a pretty amazing game. Um, and it really, um, I think, it Pokemon Go can can fit nicely alongside it in the in the Pokemon universe, 
like I said, it's it's kind of created its own genre. So we, we just have more Pokemon to play now. The handheld um, experience isn't going to go away anytime soon. Um, and we'll see what Nintendo decides to do when they release the Switch. But if Niantic can get their act together and fix these problems within the game and release the features that the fans want, I think Pokemon Go is going to have a very long lifespan. I completely agree with that with that sentiment. Um, I do want to point out, you know, we, you know, we're not too keen on Pokemon Go as we were when it first launched, but we have to let's recall that what this game did for mobile gaming is what the original Pokemon series did for handheld gaming. It revitalized handheld gaming because the Game Boy was all but dead when Pokemon Red and Blue came out or Red and Green came out in Japan, and it it brought life into a, a damn near dead console and Pokemon Go brings brought life to a barren, sh- very shovelware driven mobile market. And they did it. They did it in a, in a way that really captured everybody's imaginations. So when you compare Pokemon Go to the overall Pokemon series, it, it's found a way to be just as influential to mobile gaming as the main series has been to handheld gaming. But when you're comparing, you know, the newest iteration of Pokemon with Pokemon Sun and Moon directly to Pokemon Go, you start to see and 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 miss out on the things that should be in Pokemon Go. You and I spent three hours trading Pokemon the other night with each other, just with each other. Well, we were mostly talking, but yeah, we were and, sure. Yeah, but then we also spent another good hour and a half battling each other. True, we did battle for a long time. That was fun. And yeah, it was a lot of fun, and and, and and it it really brought out how glaring not having the PvP battle is within Pokemon Go. And it at that point, you know, and it it's something that bothers me because it's something that they showed in that initial launch trailer for Pokemon Go. Mm. At, you know, PvP battles. That was something that you saw in that trailer, and not having it you know, in a in a better way. Not having it, period, because all you have are AI gym battles. Not having it, and then playing Pokemon Sun and Moon and having PvP battles, it's a huge hole. Niantic needs to make it a priority if they really want to bring people back to the game because well, playing Pokemon Sun and Moon has shown me, it's, it's, it's reminded me how important PvP battles is. There, something you told me earlier today, you said, you know, um, the meta is what keeps these games alive, and you are absolutely right. The reason why, you know, Smash Smash Bros. Melee is still vibrant and it still has a pretty strong following is because of the meta. It's because, you know, the human element to the game is the, the competitive aspect, and that is something that, you know, Nintendo really made sure that they improved upon when they came out with Sun and Moon is they focused a lot of the new features on battling. And and I think, you know, part of it is kind of a reflection of Nintendo's um, desire to really um, focus more on esports, but they have improved that. And that is what's going to keep Pokemon Sun and Moon alive long after the players have beaten the game and you know explored all of the 
hidden features within the game. So, you know, I agree with you in that the meta is going to keep this game alive, and they need to develop a meta for Pokemon Go if they want to keep it alive, too. Man, that's... I couldn't have said it any better myself, man. Like, and I'm not even going to try. I'm not even, I'm not even going to try because you knocked that one out of the park, man. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and we're going to wrap this episode, guys. Um, uh, we just want to inform you. We want to remind you, this is the last episode of the Pokemon Corner. We've had fun over the last year doing this spinoff podcast to the Nintendo Power Zone. It's been a blast. Uh, we did it because of your response. You guys have been so you know good to us as fans, and you with your constant emails and you know asking us to do more episodes. And when we found a place to do it, it was with Pokemon because you know Pokemon, you know the 20th anniversary was this year, and you know Pokemon Sun and Moon, the hype that these games created when they showed that like 30 second trailer at the end of a six minute. Uh, direct you know the hype the buzz of this game was a way for us to bring you more content and it's been a blast i've enjoyed every episode of the pokemon corner we will bring it back at some point but later on when you know there's another new pokemon game coming out that's when we'll bring back the pokemon corner uh in the meantime you guys can look forward to the nintendo switch it up cast that we're gonna do uh where we basically just talk about all the relevant information that will be coming out about the Nintendo Switch leading up to its March launch. Uh, so we're going to have our first episode of that in January when they, after the direct, so January 12th, we'll be on that night to discuss all the relevant, inform- relevant information that they release on the Switch. So guys, this isn't us saying we're bringing less content. This is us saying we're moving on to the next project. Uh, and speaking of projects, uh, want to go ahead and shout out our YouTube page. Uh, you guys have been showing it out a lot of love lately. Uh, we're going, we're doing more unboxing videos for you guys. Uh, I'm changing the format. I'm going to do one a week now instead of, you know, one whenever I get something new. That way you have a steady stream of content. Every video will be out every Monday at 3 p.m. So you know when the new unboxing videos are coming out. Uh, After Party has been working extraordinarily hard on his video series about building prestige in Pokemon Go. He has more ideas on how he's going to expand that line of videos. Uh, This guy knows his stuff. If you want to be the best like no one ever was, watch Mario After Party's prestige videos because he is truly knocking them out of the park. Uh, Of course, we also have our side projects. Uh, Mario After Party has a great demo out, guys. I can't encourage you enough to listen to those tracks. He has poured his heart and soul into some really, really endearing music. There's no other way I can say that. It's it's truly endearing. You can hear the emotions. Yeah, like you're gonna fall in love with his music the way that you love his voice on this show. Okay. So I implore you to look to look at a Mario After Party. He's got four singles out. I guarantee you you're gonna like all of them. Um Thank you. I have three singles out. Um, hopefully, I'll have a fourth one out um, soon. But, but yeah, um, you know, I will be working on some more Pokemon-related videos. It may not all be related to uh, gym battles, but I definitely want to do a video on um, 
the new top 20 strongest Pokemon in the game now since they have updated the CP for a lot of Pokemon. Um, I did tweet out an infographic that I made with it with the list of the top 20 strongest Pokemon based on their max CP. Um, so if, you know, if you're following us on Twitter, which is uh, at Mario After Party or at Nice1983, you can probably still find that uh, infographic. I'm going to try to make a YouTube video for that to, to really illustrate, you know, which Pokemon are, are the best now for, for gym battles. But, um, you know, the, uh, the, the, with the side project, um, I'm also going to try to come out with maybe some, like, acoustic performances where I'm just recording myself playing some of these uh, songs that I have recorded. But, you know, if you want to listen to them, um, you know, they're available for free on SoundCloud if you look up Mario After Party. But if you like them enough that you actually want to pay for them, uh, they are on iTunes, Google Play, and Amazon Music. And you can find them on most of the major streaming services as well. Um, but, yeah, that. other than that, guys, I appreciate your support and as always, we appreciate you listening to the show, and the show is just going to continue to get better and better. And um, I'm going to leave it to Nice One to hit you up with the final social media links. All right, guys. You know you can always hit us up on Twitter, like he said, at Mario After Party, at Nice One Ninety Three. You can hit us up on Facebook, facebook.com slash Nice One Ninety Three Game Collecting. Go ahead and check out the website, Nice One Nine Eight Three Dot Wix W I X dot com slash game collecting we've rebranded the youtube page so instead of looking up uh nice 193 game collecting you're going to be looking up the nintendo power zone but if you want to be specific the url is youtube.com slash user slash the article t-h-e-a-r-t-i-c-l-e like we said we have a lot of content content there for you guys we have the unboxing videos the prestige videos live reactions we're doing it all for you and any new side products that we come up with they always go first on the YouTube page so go ahead and check us out there and guys if you haven't watched nice ones review on the Tomy Pokemon Z ring you've got to check it out it's a great video um, it's on fire right now as far as our views are concerned and uh, I implore you to check it out especially if you are thinking about purchasing one Exactly, guys. Yeah, and it's not just the Z-Ring. I make sure that I compare the Z-Ring to the other Pokemon-related uh, wrist accessories that have come out, including the Pokemon Go Plus and the Mega Ring. Uh, guys, it, one last thing before we go. If you're a fan of the Nintendo Power Zone podcast and the Pokemon Corner, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play Music, and Stitcher Radio. And if you like watching us live, we're here on YouTube. So... Keep in mind that we have the chat box on YouTube, so if you have any questions you want to ask us while we're live, we're gonna hit, I'm going to be here to look at the chat box and answer those questions live on air. Guys, thank you so much for watching. Alola! Alola! Deuces! <laughs>